Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity in the highway to the north. All right, we're back in our home studio. Hopefully uh, things will be going really well here, real smooth the rest of the program. How's everybody doing? So, uh, basically, for whatever reason, I don't know why that is. Right? Uh, you hit record and it takes like two or three uh, minutes sometimes to kick in on the uh, software you are using. It's just very difficult. So, we're talking about the four Ds from Fred Sunday. I always forget the fourth one, right? Don't do anything dumb. Don't do anything difficult. Don't do anything different or dangerous. And uh, you can look this up as uh, Brent Sutton and several other authors uh, contributed to this book. The foreword was written by uh, Todd Conklin, friend of the program. And well, everyone's a friend of the program. They're all on Safety FM. Hopefully we're all friends. Like, I think we're all friends. But at least colleagues. So, uh... Basically, I, I finished reading the book yesterday. I've been nibbling away at it a little bit at a time. But what it comes down to is what I've been doing for an awful long time. Stories. People relate to stories often better. Uh, I know I uh, have been told that I tell too many stories. One guy, uh, Ed Solano. Right? Rest in peace, Ed. Uh, he died this year from uh, cancer. Not sure what kind of cancer. He died of cancer. A guy I used to work with. Uh, he used to call me Jimmy Stories because I had so many stories, right? And uh, you know, it drives some people up the wall sometimes. I get, I get it. Believe me, I get it. Uh, if anything, I am. I I know my limitations. I know who I am. And everything else. Uh, the problem is, is that I never felt comfortable with who I was until uh, much later in my life. And for some reason, okay, is the are we broadcasting? Are we on the air? And some of these other streamers, I'm getting post uh, messages here. Jim, we got, okay, we can't see you. All right. And oh, I'm actually there. Okay, is the, are we broadcasting? Are we on the air? Okay. All right, this is Safety Wars, so there's never smooth at the beginning. So, you know, it's all in the story, how you tell a story. And as Aristotle used to say, I believe it was Aristotle, every story has to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Sometimes we forget what the end is. I always try to circle around to the end of the story. And it's important to share these stories. Get them down, pat. Have four or five go-to stories for a situation. And that's what you know, what the name of the game is. And I like, not that I need the, the, the affirmation from people and from people. I, uh, I've been doing things a certain way. And I now realize that a lot of the folks saw that as a threat. In the past, maybe I was, maybe I wasn't, maybe I was threatening a situation and they could, that made them nervous. Maybe uh, I could tell a story better than they could. Maybe people liked me more than they did. No likability. And more importantly, what were they, a lot of folks really afraid of? The word influence. So we're going to talk influence more tomorrow, uh, hopefully. Uh, assuming we're on the air. 
But we're going to be, uh, I, I shared with you folks over the years, the my leadership. It's one of my go-to presentations. Someone says, Jim, can you give us a presentation? I said, sure. As, well, I can. Leadership. It was the first one that Jay Allen uh, saw, right, was Jay, uh, this, and he said, you know, we got to talk, right, with this, is leadership. And what's leadership? One word, influence. How do you influence someone? And there are different ways of doing that. I'm talking about that tomorrow at the uh, local ASSP uh, event. So if you're in Rockland County, New York, Metro New York, uh, and you're listening to the show tonight, I will be at the Rockland County Fire Academy right here in Pomona, New York, not New Jersey, Pomona, New York. Uh, and uh, I'll be talking about leadership uh, in the afternoon for the afternoon session. And that's the important thing. Now, the other thing is this, telling the story with the four Ds. I read the book, and today I said, hey, we're going to talk about the four Ds. And I went to the uh, group, and I said, look, my, my safety meeting uh, people, this one, I said, look, we're going to talk about the four Ds, and we talked about them. We talked about the book and some of the insight that I got from that book. And we tried to boil things down into simplicity. So for disaster response or disaster preparation, I always talk about the three A's, assess, analyze, act. And I think the four Ds, that's a great thing, right? Boil it down. Don't do anything. I got them written down now. Dumb, difficult, different, or dangerous. Dumb, what does that mean? If it doesn't make sense, don't do it. You say, why are we doing this? And and this could go many different ways. That's what the book had uh, described. Do you feel dumb doing something? Do you... Say, man, this is a dumb thing we're doing. Why are we doing this? It's good to, to question and have conversations. It used to be back in the day, hey, ask a darn good question. I know that the person who used to say that is a listener to this program. It was really great that you would do that. RA, I'll use the initials. However, now it's ha- let's have some conversations here. Make people at ease. They give you more information. More information makes you smarter. Hopefully. So, and if you say, well, hey, why is this job so difficult? Don't do things that are difficult. Why is this so difficult? Why is this so hard to do? Can we make it easier? The other thing was, oh, let me backtrack with the dumb. The other thing is this. If it's, no, so uh, lockout, tagout, perfect example. Some places have, like, we're going to follow this 12-step program and this lockout, tagout thing. And it's like, okay, twelve. You know, uh, why, why is it twelve? Why can't we make this like maybe redesign it to have like four or five? That way, you eliminate the human error on there, and maybe people aren't going to give steps if you only give them three or four things to do, rather than you know, remember, lock out, tag out. You turn it off. Right? You de-energize it. You no lock, tag, try. You know, you de-energize it. Right? Make it simple. Right? Usually, and I see some of these lockout, tag out things, and I'm guilty of writing them. No, 10, 12 steps. No one's ever going to do it. It's like, gee whiz. Now, we, you know, especially if you're dealing with a contractor. You want us to go through 12 steps? Well, guess what? You're going to, uh, you know, you're going to pay, pay, pay for it. Because now the job takes a half an hour longer, 45 minutes longer. And again, there's reason for lockout tagout. A lot of the violations we see out there are lockout tagout that we discussed on this program. Difficult, difficult, we talked about. Different. Are conditions changing? Right, This could go many different ways too. Are conditions changing that are making things different? Right? The other thing is, Am I doing something different? Do I have that thing? I want to do this different. Well, maybe I need to talk and have a conversation on that. And of course, don't do anything dangerous. I mean, what feels risky to you about the work you're doing? What feels risky? What doesn't feel right? What doesn't set you right? I don't care what anybody freaking says. The scariest piece of construction equipment that I have to deal with out there is the walk-behind saw. 
For whatever reason, that thing scares the hell out of me. So when I talk to the uh, workers and I, we have a conversation, how do, we, how do we operate this safely? Well, we go through multiple safeguards on, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do, okay, we're going to do this, right? And then we're, we go and do the work because I find that piece of equipment very disturbing for me. I don't know why, but I just find it dis- I, I have this imagination that the blade's going to pop off and go rolling down the road. Or someone's going to get in there and, you know, like on a bad James Bond movie or a spy movie and get cut in half by the thing. I don't know. That's just me. Now, the, uh, right, we have a whole bunch of stuff that came out this week. And, I, and I'm I'm convinced as somebody at OSHA, right, uh, there was a change of personnel or they're listening to this program because they're not doing too many press releases out there. But I'm going to cover, uh, we're going to cut, cut right to the chase here with this. Here, uh, Department of Labor cites Wisconsin roofing contractor for again, this is from October 23rd, right? For again exposing workers to fall hazards at residential home in Appleton, Wisconsin. Proposed penalties, $132,000. Let's see what we got here. And let's say, no, everyone's innocent till proven guilty. Okay, citation one, item one, type of violation serious. 29 CFR 1926-102. Guess what? Safety glasses, eye protection. Big one, right? $4,911. That's a serious one. Citation one, item two. No fall protection training. $4,911 $4,911 for a resident, re, a normal residential roof around here. It probably goes for $15,000. Now here we have proposed violations of a lot, right? Here we go. Another one portable ladder was broken, right? $4,911. And the big one citation to item one type of violation, willful series accident prevention responsibilities, 29 CFR, 1926.20B2, Accident Prevention Responsibilities. Such programs shall provide for frequent and regular inspections of the job sites, materials, and equipment to be made by competent persons designated by the employers. Now, the way I handle this, right, the way Jimmy Posel handles this, is I go out and I designate, have the client, have the people I'm overseeing, whoever, you need to name a confident person in writing, right? And what I, you know, I, I'm a little bit sneaky with this because most companies don't want to do it. So I'll write an email, I'll craft it. Uh, we have the foreman here, we have this here, we have this person here. Uh, who's the confident person? Is that the foreman? Is that this person? Is that person? Right? Yeah, please let me know. This way, you're forcing the company to say that they can ignore you, which if they ignore you, guess what? Got it in writing that you ignore you. That happens. Doesn't, ha- doesn't happen for long, though, because they usually answer. Uh, number two is I give them a piece of paper, and it's got like, uh, it's like three pages long, and it describes what a competent person is, and I list out all the things that I have competent person needs, and you go out there, you sign, okay, that's my confident person. We're designating that person. Now, what I suspect happened here, and I, I wasn't involved in this, but I'm going to read into this a little bit and use some of my bias. Yes, it is bias. I get it. I'm biased. Shame on me, right? On or about May 12th, 2023, at a site located at such a place in Appleton, Wisconsin, an employee of a certain company at a job site failed to take prompt corrective measures when subcontractors' uh, employees were observed being exposed to falls of 8.75 feet. Now, when OSHA goes out and uh, says this stuff, right, and says 8.75, that means that they got a tape measure. And I suspect that... uh, they, the contractor pissed them off. I'm sorry. You know, 
So uh, failed to take corrective measures when a subcon. Okay, so there. So this is might have, often this is the way it is. Hey, uh, those contractors. Hey, what what do they do? Hey, they ain't my contractors. They ain't us. They ain't, I, I'm, we have no responsibility for that. Yeah, you do. Multi-employer uh, site here. You might have right. Brooklyn, uh, uh, one will mention, was previously cited for violation in this occupational safety and health standard, which contained an OSHA inspection, blah, blah, blah. And it was again cited for a violation at another place in Wisconsin. So $58,930. Really? Citation to item two. Willful serious. Right? Well, no. Uh, and the other thing with the first one is uh, pointing the finger, and they don't like that. So residential construction, and this is the six-foot rule, right? So six foot or higher, uh, you need to have some kind of fall protection, either either uh, a railing system on residential stuff, you have a guardrail system, personal fall arrest system, or something like that, unless you can show it's infeasible. And basically, you're not going to show it's infeasible, Right. Only time it may be infeasible is when you're going to set it up. Maybe, you know, but then again, you're going to have, you know, no, not really. Not when you design the work area properly and get into that skills-based mode, right? The SKR model of working, right? And this was the second, one, third time they're doing it. Another $58,930 for a grand total of $132,593. This does not have to be you. You could give us a call, 845-269-5772, like a lot of other people are doing nowadays. It's a great thing, you know? Or jim at safetywords.com. We're going to share that later on uh, in another group, so we're not going to close that out. OSHA announces meeting a Maritime Advisory Committee on Occupational Safety and Health on November 14th. Department of Labor's OSHA announced will hold an in-person online meeting of the Maritime Advisory Committee on Occupational Safety and Health. Do, do, do. Uh, on Tuesday, November 14th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, the, the, you can check out the website, uh, the press release uh, section, the news release, because... Uh, they give contact information there and where to go and social media and you can attend online uh, and only 25 people are allowed in there uh, for that, right? And you kind of let them know you're coming. OSHA forms a safety health partnership with M.A. Mortensen. OSHA uh, recently and M.A. Mortensen recently signed a strategic partnership to promote safety and health practices to help in preventing worker injuries and exposure to hazards during the second phase of construction at the Southeast Poultry Research Laboratory in Athens, Georgia. New facility will increase the laboratory staff's capabilities to respond to highly pathogenic avian and influenza outbreaks as they provide research information for eradication and control, as well as data for control of Newcastle disease. Rio viruses, infectious bursal disease, Marek's disease, right? Marek is a Polish name too. Marek's disease and other exotic and emerging viruses of poultry and other birds. The initiative will encourage contractors to develop and improve safety and health programs, provide required training to employees, employers, and supervisors. The initiative will focus on safe work practice and the use of required PPE. It will also promote the safe use of hand and power tools, the awareness of common construction hazards associated with heat illness, falls, trench cavings, struck by, and caught in between equipment, and unsafe levels of silica, dust, and noise. Where are you going to get silica? Okay, it's construction. Okay, I was like, research lab, silica, wow, what are they doing in there? And that's good. They're working with them. Great, great news. This is a local story here uh, for this. And uh, so the U.S. Department of Labor has obtained, and I will use the name uh, for this, but remember that everything is litigated and ever litigated, vacated, and everything else with this. And there's uh, uh, 
uh, all different types of things here. But I'm going not go into this. So this may not be the final result, and everyone's innocent until proven guilty. And everything else, just like in our introduction, our new introduction here. Uh, I know the people on the radio and on podcasts can't see it, but we have a new introduction here with this. That gives me a couple minutes until all the streaming systems all catch up again. The U.S. Department, that's probably an internet issue here. U.S. Department of Labor obtains a consent order injunction requiring New York contractor to provide employees with fall protection. So this is for ALJ Home Improvement Incorporated. The U.S. Department of Labor has obtained a consent injunction ordering a Rockland County. Oh, oh, is that them now? Oh, I don't know. Rockland County, joking, roofing contractor and its principal to provide employees with fall protection equipment and make sure it's used at all company work sites as required by federal law. The order finds that by allowing employees to do roofing work without fall protection, the company is exposing them to imminent danger of death or serious harm. Now, if you're a safety guy or a gal out in the field, you need to know a couple of phraseologies that are very helpful. Imminent danger to death or serious harm is one of them. All right. Imagine getting an email. You're on the other receiving end. You know you're they're you know you're not using fall protection. This crew. They're exposing themselves to imminent danger of death or serious harm. Guess what? If they're they don't react to that, <laughs> you know, that's a, a shame on them. Since 2019, the department's OSHA has cited ALJ Home Improvement Incorporated multiple times for fall-related violations, including after a company's employees, this is people of my community, suffered fatal falls in 2019 and 2022. In May 2023, ALJ and its owner, I won't mention the man's name, uh, signed a settlement agreement with OSHA to resolve and affirm willful citations the agency issued 2021, which includes enhanced provisions for correcting and preventing fall hazards. So in 2019, right, I have the news release here. Uh, right, uh, this was, uh, they were fined $244,581 for various uh, fall things here, right? And uh, nine willful violations in there, including employees working without required fall protection as they remove sheathing and perform other roofing work, and workers lacking protective headgear and face and eye shields to prevent eye injuries from flying or falling debris, plywood, nails, and other objects. Okay, that was in 2019. Here we go, 2022, because they know you're gonna do. They're gonna do follow up. Here we go. A Nanuet roofing, and this is right from uh, the Department of Labor website. A Nanuet roofing and siding contractor with significant history of safety violations and penalties now faces an additional 1.343, million. Let's try this again. $1,343,363 in penalties. Uh after the U.S. Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Administration investigated another fatal flaw by a company employee, the second in three years. All right. Now, let's see the, what the citations, well, what were they here? Did they list them? 21 violations. Uh, since 2019, OSHA has, and this is from uh, the previous one, OSHA has inspected ALJ home improvement six times, issuing 21 violations and leveling 299,400, blah, 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 blah. Okay. And let's see though what the citations were here. And this is from 8-5-2022. I believe we covered it on this program. And we're going to save this one too. Here we have citation one item one. This is from 2021. Uh, this is 14,502 portable ladders. Citation one item two, portable ladders, 14,502. Citation one item three, portable ladders. Again, problems with them. Citation two item one, no face glass. I no, I no safety glasses or face protection. A hundred and forty-five thousand twenty-seven dollars. Really? Here's another one. Eye and face, 
uh, protection again. A different day, $145,000. Another one. Citation to item three, another one. I am faced, 145000 This just kept on going on and on and on and on. Fall protection, $145,027. And it goes on and on and on with willful serious. They have one, nine willful serious and three serious for $1.343 million. I caramba. Now, uh, they reached a settlement agreement in 2023, meaning that they went and I don't know what the settlement agreement is, but let's see what they got. Settlement agreement right here. This was a, so, so, entered into, in so the uh, uh, settlement agreement in uh, 2023, right? ALJ and its owner, Jose, we won't mention names, signed a settlement agreement with OSHA to resolve, uh, I lost their place. Entered into U.S. Citizenship for the Southern District of New York. That means federal. The instruction requires ALJ and Lima to comply with the enhanced abatement provisions of the settlement agreement, which should, including notifying OSHA of future company websites, providing everybody with 30 and 10-hour outreach training, depending on what your situation is, uh, safety uh, and retraining, retaining qualified safety consultants to develop safety, health, and disciplinary app programs to conduct work site inspections. If ALJ or Lima fail to comply with the agreement, the department may file a contempt of motion, contempt motion in federal court. Now let's see what this is. Read the consent order and injunction. We're going to read this. All right. And it goes all the way through here. Petition to file. Petitioner and respondents by their prospective counsel do now consent to the entry of consent order and injunction. Now, therefore, upon consideration of the record herein and as agreed to, right? The court being fully advised in the premises finds as follows. The following conditions or practices have existed at places of employment maintained by the respondents in Southern District of New York. Certain respondents' practices represent an imminent danger to employees which could reasonably be expected to cause death or serious physical harm. Uh, Employees of respondents were repeatedly observed performing roofing work at heights of at least six feet above the ground without any fall protection. These working conditions or practices constitute an imminent danger. Now, let it be ordered. And we're going to go there. They had to actually follow the law. Wow. If they would have followed the law at the beginning, allegedly, allegedly they haven't, maybe they wouldn't have uh, would have avoided this. So now they actually have to uh, uh, obey the law. Court order. I don't know. I don't, I'd love to know what the context of this was. Now, it's easy to beat up on these companies, but what's the context here? I'm dying to know here. This might be worth getting a uh, Freedom of Information Act request for. I'm waiting. And then in another year, I'll get it for you. You know, we'll figure that out. Uh, Okay. Here we have a situation What with our featured thing. Let's take a break here for a second. Jim, calm down. Calm down. You're too happy. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including... Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold. 
and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA Recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy. And we are back here. And, uh, you know, I didn't do our message here. What day is it? It's Thursday, so it's number four. This is Safety Wars, broadcasting to our brothers and sisters in the occupied territory of behavior-based safety. Get out your secret decoder ring. Here is your nightly message. Context drives behavior. Context drives behavior. So remember, context. We don't know what the context was for this. Uh, I'm... You know, now that I think of it, I probably should do a Freedom of Information Act request. Uh, I know the last uh, OSHA accidentally released an accident investigation report uh, a while back, and it was really interesting to read the whole thing uh, here uh, with their site visit. And it was, you know, I read it on the air. I was like, holy crap, they actually accident. And then a, week, a day later, they withdrew it. Uh, but I have a copy of it still. Two employees of a national tank cleaning company, and this is our main story here, suffered in, and since we got a late start, we make it overtime here. Two employees, of a, so listen to us on the podcast. Two employees of a national tank cleaning company suffered injuries when exposed to hydrogen sulfide, a flammable, highly toxic, colorless gas that was present during the cleaning process of a tanker truck on April, 23rd, April 25th, 2023 in Beaumont. Two municipal firefighters... Uh, responding to the scene, uh, also suffered injuries from the gas. Uh, again, I don't even read this stuff. You're getting the raw thing. I probably should have this time. Uh, I'm going to Google something here real quick, right, with this. Here. Uh, okay. Uh Hydrogen sulfide, uh, Sheldon Primus, I believe, uh, that's a class on this, right? Train the trainer in this hydrogen sulfide. Uh, so hydrogen sulfide, let's, we got to try to understand what the hazards of, uh, hydrogen sulfide are and uh hold on all right here it is and you know what i'm just going to share this is off the osha website i have to be careful about sharing things because i got yelled at not by jay allen but i got contacted by somebody you shouldn't be sharing this stuff from different websites yeah okay great you know whatever you shouldn't be doing well. You shouldn't be doing it well. I did it. It's not like I can't give you the web address and link to it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so right here we have the hazards of hydrogen sulfide gas. Hydrogen sulfide gas causes a wide range of health effects. Workers are primarily exposed to hydrogen sulfide by breathing it. The effects depend on how much hydrogen sulfide you breathe in for how long. Okay, so we have a dose response right thing right. Dose and response. Exposure to high concentrations can quickly lead to death. The NIOSH REL, recommended exposure limit, 10 is 10 parts per million. OSHA's is the ceiling limit of 20 parts per million. General industry peak limit at 50. Construction eight-hour limit as 10. Shipyard eight-hour limit as at 10. All right, NIOSH has an IDLH. There is that immediately dangerous life and health level of 100 Parts per million. Now, uh, uh, the thing is with this, the uh, hydrogen sulfide is an olfactory inhibitor, meaning it deadens your sense of smell. 
So they set these PELs very low in the hopes that you're going to, uh, 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 no, in the hopes that you're going to smell it before you have a problem and then you're right and everything. And if you remember with a cartridge respirator, you have to have like a warning problem property or end of service light indicator on that. The hydrogen sulfide, you could use it only a cartridge respirator only for escape uh, purposes under certain circumstances in accordance with the manufacturer's requirements. So you got to research that. Now, if we look over here, the, uh, oh, let's see, can I, there we go. All right. On the right-hand side here, right? Uh, where I just highlighted this. Now, so typically, what's this hydrogen sulfide from? It's from uh, primarily rotting organic matter. And uh, rotten egg, rotten eggs, and then like swamp gas, anything. So you look under the, what the definite smell of rotten eggs, it says swamp gas. You look under swamp gas, it says it smells like rotten eggs. So it's a sulfury smell. So between 0 0.00... 0 0.00011 to 0 0.00033. That's a typical background concentration. The odor threshold is somewhere between 0 0.01 to 1.5 parts per million. Uh, and that's when you start to notice. Some people do. Two to five prolonged exposure may cause nausea, tearing on the eyes, headaches, or loss of sleep. Airway problems with some asthma people. I actually had... Uh, uh, had that happen one time. 20, possible fatigue, loss of appetite, headache, irritation. Uh, uh, now, 50 to 100, you have irritated eyes, right, and respiratory tract irritation after one hour may cause digestive upset and loss of appetite. 100, coughing, eye irritation, loss of smell after 2 to 15 minutes, altered breathing, drowsiness after 15 to 30 minutes. Again, you do not realize you're on it because there's a loss of smell here at 100 to 150, right? Uh, 200 to 300, marked conjunctivitis, respiratory tract irritation after one hour, 500, 700, staggering collapse in five minutes. And so let's say you're up on a smokestack and you got and a hydrogen sulfide is a hazard. Guess what? It's going to take time to get down there. That's where that 500 to 700, it's critical. You have an escape respirator. 700 to 1,000, rapid unconsciousness or knockdown. Immediate collapse within one to two breaths, breathing stops, death within minutes, and 1,000 to 2,000 or more is near instant death. The explosive range of hydrogen sulfide in air is 4.3 to 45%. So 4,300, uh, 4.3, no, no, I'm sorry. It's 43,000 parts per million to 450,000 parts per million. The range is much higher than the PEL for explosive. Now, what do you do to protect yourself from it? Avoidance is number one. And number two is air monitoring. So in the refining industry and a lot of oil terminals where they have hydrogen sulfide, you're required to wear a, a hydrogen sulfide monitor that's roughly about the size of an, of an old-style pager uh, if you don't know what that is, ask your parents and grandparents what a pager was from the 1990s, and you will go, and it, it goes off, and it goes off. at. Uh, so since the PEL is 10, right, a general industry ceiling limit is 20, at 10, it goes off, which is the construction eight-hour limit, and you get out and you evacuate. That's how that's handled normally uh, with that. Uh, very common in the refining industry. I've worked with it. Up until recently, it was half my career, right? Every, every day for half my career. Uh, now we're, you know, we're getting older, I'm not doing that, that sort of thing. Now that we have that, let's go back to the Department of, uh, to the uh, uh, citation. Do, where is it? Where is it? Okay, that one. Two employees of a National Tank Cleaning Service suffered injuries when exposed to hydrogen sulfide, a highly flammable, highly toxic, colorless gas. It was present during cleaning processes of a tanker truck on April 25, 2023 in Beaumont. Two municipal firefighters responding to the scene also suffered injuries from the gas. 
Federal investigators determined the employer did not provide adequate respiratory protection, resulting in two employees being transported to the hospital, one of them being hospitalized due to the exposure. First responders were treated on the scene. Investigators within the U.S. Department of Labor's OSHA found National Tank Services did not evaluate the work site for possible respiratory hazards like the one that sickened the workers and did not monitor their employees for exposure to other substances. The company also failed to provide workers with appropriate respirators, manage a required respiratory protection program, and to provide workers with medical evaluations prior to respiratory use and conduct respiratory fit testing. OSHA proposed penalties of close to $400,000, just shy of it, to the company after citing nine health violations. And let's go and see what this is. They got repeat. You got this. So, oh, guess what? They're giving QR codes now for things, right? Employers' rights and responsibilities. So here we have, and we're scrolling on down, QR codes all over this thing, right? And wow, incredible. All right. Citation one, item 1A, right? Again, uh, 1910.29, the employer did not ensure that no opening in the stairwell system exceeds 19 inches, at least in its uh, dimension. In the middle of bays, one and two, and times higher where openings in the stairwell system exceeded 19 inches, $73,166. Citation one, item 1B, type of violation serious. No guardrail systems on the top edge of top rails and equivalent guardrail members that are 42 inches. So at the facility in Bay 1, at times prior to the guardrail system attached to the catwalk platform, and the top rail was not 42 inches plus or minus 3 inches above the walking and working surface. I'm trying, I'm thinking that was $0. I'm trying to think, visualize this. This sounds like a... uh, job made situation because that or a very old piece of equipment uh, because I don't think people would manufacture something like this here uh, this system right uh, again another guardrail once one C and citation one item two Cite, type of citation uh, uh, serious 1910-138 the employer did not Select and require employees to use appropriate hand protection when employees' hands are exposed to uh, hazards, right, from all different things. All right, uh, exposed to skin absorption hazards of harmful substance, $7,366. Citation one item three uh, was 1910-1000-B2. The air monitoring demonstrated, obviously, so into the air monitoring, uh, Hydrogen sulfide in excess of 20 parts per million, which is the ceiling level for general industry, 15,625. Citation one item four, employees of a workplace covered by the same were not monitored to determine their exposure to formaldehyde. No assessment on that, $7,366. Citation two item 1A. Willful series, a written respiratory protection program that included for the provisions of 29 CFR 1910 134, uh, C1I to IX, 1 to 9, with worksite specific procedures was not established and implemented for required respiratory use. 156,259 dollars. <coughs> $259. Wow. Right? Citation two, item 1B, the employer did not provide a medical evaluation, right, uh, to determine the employee's ability uh, to this. Now, I don't understand corrected to, to in, uh, uh, I need to understand it, corrected during inspection, $0. How do you to correct the medical evaluation? I don't know. Um, during the inspection, I don't know. Unless it was a multi-day inspection, or maybe they sent the person to a company nurse, that sort of thing, and got the clearance that day. Sounds bizarre. No fit testing, right? That was zero dollars there. Uh, citation two, item two A, another one hundred and fifty-six 
$1,259 fine. Selection of appropriate respirator was not based on the respiratory hazards. And uh, did not, the employer did not select the appropriate respirator for employees prepping and cleaning tank trailers uh, that contained sodium hydrosulfide solution. Again, uh, another one, cleaning ta- tank trailers that had ammonia did not assess that. Citation to item 2B, citation willful serious. No assessment for respiratory hazards. That was zero. Uh, Citation 3, item 1A. uh, I've never heard of this one. Okay, this is a... Oh, I've heard of it, but I've never heard of anyone, anyone being cited for this. Somebody was really on their game that day. I'll say that much. Citation 3, item 1A, type of violation, repeat serious. 29 CFR 1910-132, protective equipment was not provided when necessary whenever hazards capable of causing injury and impairment were encountered. On or about uh, April 25th, 2023, and times prior to, the employer did not ensure that effective protective loading was provided uh, to this. And this is a repeat one, 29,467. Remember, everyone's innocent until proven guilty. Uh, Citation 3, item 1B, Repeat violation, $0, no assessment done for PPE. Citation 3, item 1C, $0, uh, appropriate eye or face protection. Uh, they did not, uh, did not apparently, probably uh, the uh, appropriate protection was a face shield and goggles, chemical goggles. Citation 3, item 2, repeat serious, uh, the... $14,731. Uh, not labeled containers. Right? One barrel contained diesel fuel, not labeled. Another came, was a vat of caustic label, not a caustic liquid, not labeled. Citation 3 at item 3. Uh, this, okay, now this is probably... This probably is related to the other one, I suspect. I don't know. I, I don't know what I suspect with the other one with the uh, medical records. The employer did not provide an authorized government representative the records within the four business hours. At the facility where the employer failed to provide copies of injury and illness logs to the compliance and safety and health officer within four hours of the original request. And this is a repeat, meaning that they did it again. They did it a couple of times here. This was the second time. And that was it. For a grand total of $399,349. Now, my experience with the tanker trucks, uh, been riding safety, managing safety in that area for a while. Uh, When I say a while, I mean way over 20 years that I've done the work myself. Often, right, especially, uh, you know, they didn't go into the uh, thing and do a confined space entry. sounds like they were doing it from the outside. Often what happens is people feel that if they're not going inside the tank, they're in the outside, therefore there's no hazard. Nothing could be further than from the truth. I don't know if that happened here, but that often is what happens. Number two is the uh, 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 people feel that fall protection is not needed on trucks, so therefore no other thing is thing. And it used to be like a gray area where employee, well, OSHA didn't, uh, I heard this a million times, OSHA doesn't enforce it, therefore we're not going to worry about it on the job. Nothing could be further than the truth. Uh, if you if someone falls off the truck and gets hurt or killed, guess what? OSHA is getting involved. <laughs> Bottom line, and uh, on that thing. So, and the newer trucks have railing systems installed in there, and a lot of times you don't see that. That's usually what happens with this, in my experience. And uh, what I'm not saying that happened this time, uh, but what ends up happening is. No, it's a uh, lack of training, lack of education, and it's not lack of training or education of the workers. The workers already know not to do the four Ds when one of them is dumb, dangerous, 
right? What's what are they? Dumb, dangerous, different, and dumb, dangerous, different, and difficult. So workers know that, right? But it's the management that often doesn't or ignores it. And that's where you get into situations like this. Some other news here. Oh, the top 10 list. We're going to save the top 10 list for tomorrow on here. Uh, Any surprises here? No, nothing really new here from what I could see, but we'll talk about them tomorrow. And there is a webinar, right? So, oh, I missed it. Uh, there, I'm doing a, again, if you're in Rockland County tomorrow, come and visit me over at the Rockland uh, County Fire Academy. Oh, uh, no, I'll be there. Don't know what I'm wearing. I might be wearing this one to be stick out. But I think Mrs. Pozel will have something to say about that. And uh, for Safety Wars, this is Jim Pozel. And uh, we're going to close out with our usual, and I'll take off my hat, the uh, National Anthem. Someone said, Jim, why do you do that? I said, well, it's in tribute, obviously, to uh, our National Anthem. But it's also, that's how they used to sign off when I was a kid on broadcast uh, TV. And I thought it was always uh, really, you know, uh, touching uh, tribute there uh, to do that. Let me get up the Amer- uh, Let me start, and I'm going to get the American flag uh, up and waving here. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.